0: So when does free speech cross the line into hate speech? That is a question being asked uh, today and something a judge had to decide on in a Toronto courtroom. And uh, today the ruling came down against two newspaper editors that indeed they crossed the line. James Sears and uh, Leroy St. Germain have been uh, found guilty of promoting hate against women and Jews and the publication in question is one of those free publications that no one ever reads that they get in the mail, but it promoted, you know, terrible stuff like uh, legalizing rape, Holocaust denial, uh, all sorts of of de- terrible stuff. And while the accused argued it was satire, the judge found nothing funny about it and said both men were fully aware of the unrelenting promotion of hate, but they keep planning to go on. So we'll see where that takes them. But let's bring in Lauren Honigman to this conversation, um, you know, to discuss when does free speech not become free anymore? He joins us now. Lauren, let's break down this case. When does, because a lot of people will say, hey, this is free speech, and if I want to read this stuff, I should be able to, and if you don't want to read it, then don't read it. But when does free speech turn to hate? Like, Is there any blur in this case for you?
1: Yeah. Well, look, we have... Uh, sections in the criminal code that came in uh, back in the uh, early 70s, dealing with hatred. Uh, There's uh, advocating genocide. That's a section of the criminal code. There's uh, publicly inciting hatred. And then the offense that these two were convicted of today, willfully promoting hatred against any identifiable group by making statements other than in a private conversation. And The way the criminal code works, Alex, is there's even defenses that are put in right into the criminal code saying, look, you won't be convicted if you can establish that whatever you said... Was true, so that's sort of the we have that same defense in defamation law. It's the ultimate defense. Um, you won't be convicted if you can show that what you said was in good faith. Mm-hmm. That they were, you were just trying to establish by an argument or you know an opinion on a subject. Um, uh, you can you won't be convicted if the statements were relevant to any subject of public interest, and that's very important. Like it was it for the public benefit, and and were you acting in good faith uh, because. Uh, uh, you just were talking about how people are 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 perpetrating this hate. So there's lots of different ways. Well, that no defenses were if, if they were brought forward in this trial, uh, Justice and didn't agree with them at all. And when you looked at what they said and you looked at what they did, um, and th- th- certainly it would go into that category. And one of the things you got to remember is that there, there's some some pretty famous. Individuals, I'll put famous in quotes, Mm -hmm. who were convicted under the same section as these two men. Uh, You may remember James Keekstra back in 1990, the high school teacher. He taught that his students, uh, all these extreme anti-Semitic views. And his case, by the way, went all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada talking about what you just talked about, freedom of expression, and whether or not that section violated freedom of expression. In the 4-3 decision back then, uh, his constitutional challenge was dismissed.
0: You know, these, yeah, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, and there's been other individuals through the years. We don't have a lot of convictions, uh, but certainly when you go to the type of speech, and and when I say speech, when I'm talking about expression, publications, um, the judge found it certainly fell right into that category.
0: Right, And, and they did argue, their defense was that it was satire, but he found nothing funny about it. But there are cases of when you can say whatever you want under the guise of satire.
1: But this exactly, and and but this again uh, would not fall. And, and And I think if if you wanted a, a strict interpretation of the law, uh, you may not agree with it. I do agree with his honor that that was not uh, uh, that, that that. Although they may say it was meant to be satire, uh, he didn't find it. it, it it, it was nothing less to him than uh, willful hate promotion. And, and remember, it wasn't just something that he came out and said, well, yeah, it was just, you, you take a look at a lot of what was written, and, and then you can see what, why, <laughs> why uh, his honor would have found what he found. I mean, it's just not, it's just not some sort of, it isn't just like a, a, a satire. Some of the words, it's, in fact, one of the experts who testified at the trial and testified about, um... Anti-Semitism looked at at the words, and a lot of it was the same type of wording that's been used historically. And I mean, it—it many of it, uh, many of the words clearly. If somebody said, "Well, that's despicable," here's here's the bigger question that I throw out in these cases. And um, what's you know, do we want? to prosecute these cases. And some people will say, well, look, if, if there's an allegation that somebody's breached a section of the criminal code, you want to prosecute it. But sometimes when you do things like this, you give the people the publicity that they never would have got otherwise. Um, yeah. because now it's not just the people in that particular ward of the of toronto or where they're trying to send out their paper they, that people are reading about this story across the country and i think about the case alex and you remember mr Ernst Zundel. yes and zundel was not charged under this section he was charged under another section of the criminal code that no longer exists spreading false news but Nobody knew about Ernst Zundel at all until that prosecution, and I will always remember, this was back in the mid-'80s, I was at 361 University, he was just found guilty, he came out to the scrum, and you're truly asked that burning, burning journalistic question, <laughs> what's your reaction, Mr. Zundel? <laughs> and he looked at me, and he, with a big smile on his face, said, Mr. Honigman, I just got a million dollars worth of free publicity.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think and you raise yeah, yeah. It's 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 an interesting kind of a double-edged sword. But interestingly, um, you know, the case kind of had two elements to it. There were two people, Warren and Lisa Kinsella, uh, who had been part of a case that was ended up being thrown out uh, involving right. these two people, uh, who they alleged had um, uh, threatened them because they had right. basically uh, threatened, uh, I guess, to kill or bludgeon his his wife, Lisa Kinsella, to death. And the judge uh, ended up throwing that out, saying, Yeah, I, I can't I can't find you guilty on that. But then found them guilty on the other charges, which we found out about today. And they could get up to six months or a $5,000 fine, but these guys say they're just going to keep on going.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing. And so now they have, they probably, you, I think you will agree with me about this, that there will be people across this country, across mm-hmm. North America, and of course now maybe across the world, because of the internet, who will agree with everything that they wrote. Sure. And, uh, and I'm sure they're getting, you know, quote, support out there. And, uh, and, and will this, will this uh, act as a deterrent to them? Uh, who knows? Will it act as a deterrent to others? Probably not. Um, and so that's why it, it is a double-edged sword, Alex. And, and you talk about it and, and people will say, you know, free speech, free speech. Well, speech at sometimes does hurt. There's no doubt about it, and um, the two identifiable groups, of course, in this case was wasn't just the uh, the Jewish community. Um, there was also women, and uh, so there was not only an expert who testified about uh, anti-Semitism at this trial. There was also a uh, a law professor uh, from the University of British Columbia who uh, who talked about uh, and provided expert evidence about hatred against women. Mm-hmm. And those were the identifiable groups. And, and Justice Bluett, you read, you read I, I haven't read the whole judgment just from, you know, what, what's been reported, different things that he said. And um, he basically found that both of these men were fully aware of the unrelenting promotion of hate. Yeah. So, you know, what comes out of this? Uh, again, uh, how many people would have known about these two had this trial never taken place? Does that mean we don't prosecute? I don't know. Yeah, it is a—it's an interesting question.
0: Well, we'll see where it takes us, and if these two uh, pieces of filth continue, and uh, we'll turn away, turn turn the other way. Lauren, I got to let you go there. Thank you, sir. Okay. we'll talk we to you will Tuesday. Talk to you soon. That is Lauren Honickman uh, joining us here on Point. I'm Alex Spears, and this is Global News Radio.